you got Problems that you ought to be concerned with Moolah You don't know how you're supposed to earn it Or what to do with it Or how to keep it You're a freak with a dark shameful secret But you're not the only one Get your hidden financial fears With a blast of sun Now your healing has begun It's bad with money with Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm your host, Gabby Dunn, and this week on the show, I am so excited because some of my favorite movies involve robbing banks. Uh, Point Break is one of my favorite movies of all time, and uh, I wanted to talk about the movie Set It Off, which is about a bunch of black women robbing banks, and I want to talk about it with my podcast producer extraordinaire, uh, who does my other show, Just Between Us, uh, friend, incredible writer, strangely soap opera fanatic, if you get to know her, Melissa D. Montz, who uh, had never seen Set It Off. And I had also not seen it in about 10 years or so. And this revisit was really, really great. If you have not seen this movie, you need to go watch it. Pause the show and go watch Set It Off right now. It's maybe now one of my favorite movies. And we get into what the economy was like in the 90s when this type of movie was taking off, Queen Latifah's coming out and then going back in, the Jada Pinkett of it all. And we also talk about the systemic issues that are brought up in the film and how fucking real they are and why maybe we should all start robbing banks. Okay, enjoy. Can you tell my audience who you are and what you do? My name is Melissa D. Mont, and I am a producer, writer, director, and uh, I'm happy to be here today. Melissa is the producer of my other show, Just Between Us, uh, and she also appears on mic on Just Between Us, so yes. you know who she is if you know <laughs> any of my stuff. Um, so I wanted to do an episode about uh, a movie about robbing banks. Okay. I mostly also just wanted to talk about robbing banks. And there are a lot of movies about robbing banks that I enjoy, Point Break being one of my favorite movies of all time. And so, okay, so what is your experience with Set It Off? I have never seen Set It Off before. <gasps> this is actually my first time. It's on a list of things, of movies that I should watch. Like I have a list of ongoing list of movies that I'm like, these are movies that came out when I was a kid and I'm going to watch it. And mm -hmm. so I've I've never seen it before, um, but I do remember when it came out. I was a little kid. I also was like not allowed to watch rated R movies until I was like 15 maybe. So uh, I remember when this came out and everyone was talking about it. Like everyone, like all the adults were talking about it and they were, I think th the biggest thing that I remember from being a kid was I can't believe they shot her. And I, I went into the movie, like who's the her who's getting shot. And then two, a lot of talk about Queen Latifah's character being gay. Yes. So uh, I had seen set it off a long time ago. Um, and it had remained in my pantheon of like female, re like revenge kind of empowerment movies. And, you know, at one point they referenced Thelma and Louise. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I, I, so a lot of times with these, I like to go back and look at the context of the time that this is happening. 1996 was actually a pretty good year for the economy. 
Uh, and I think, but they probably wrote and shot this, you know, a long time ago, right. years ago. And the problems mm-hmm. within their community are sort of evergreen problems. Um, but there were a lot of reviews that came out at the time that compared it to Waiting to Exhale, which is kind of interesting because Waiting to Exhale is just like straight up about this, female empowerment, but yeah, it has no is, crime <laughs> element. Black women. That's the that's it's black the, women. That's the only thing that's the same. Nothing else is the same about that movie at all. Right. So what? that's kind of this weird, like I I noticed this weird sort of racial thing where they would constantly compare it to Waiting to Exhale, which I think came out in 1995, so the year yep. before. Um, and I Best was like, soundtrack you ever. <laughs> really good. I was like, mm-hmm. you could compare it to to any crime movie. So that sort of struck me. And then this movie came out in 1996. Takashi Buford, who wrote it, uh, and, and then I noticed also co-wrote it with someone named Kate Lanier, who I have never heard mentioned in the creation of this. <laughs> um, but I was happy to see that there was a woman involved. Uh, he said that they took Set It Off to New Line Cinema three times before they rejected it, before I they finally that. bought it. I wonder why. The same reason why The Woman King got rejected so many times. Nothing has changed in the last however many years it's been. I, uh, the people that are at making these decisions don't believe in Black audiences and especially don't believe in Black female audiences, even though it's shown that black people will show up to support black people. Yes. So Buford actually says, and this is so insidious, they like, they blamed it on like inter community. So he said that the reason they rejected it is because they thought black men would not support a film with black women <laughs> gunslinging. So they just blamed it on another part of the black community, oh my which- gosh. Is truly wild. It was 1996, but still, I... I mean, it's I still mean, being saying, said now, so you can't even right. blame it on the time period. Exactly. And then, fuck them all, it became New Line Cinema's highest grossing movie of 1996. Amazing. It was made with a budget of $9 million, and it went on to gross $41 million at the box office. A wow. major success, and that is according to Tribute Magazine. So it's kind of one of those formats where regardless of who the leads are, you you know what a bank robbery movie is. Mm-hmm. You know what a heist movie is. You know that it does well. To think that you couldn't put four black women in that situation and have the movie do well is just – there's no excuse because it's just racism because heist right. movies always do well. Right. So in 1991, Point Break came out. Then in 1995, there was a film called Dead Presidents that was about a black man, a Vietnam veteran, robbing banks. 1995, we have Heat. And then I was trying to look for other black movies with women doing heists that weren't just like Rihanna in Ocean's 8. And in 2018, we had Widows, which I don't know if you saw Mm -hmm. that. That was with uh, Viola Davis, right? Yes. Um, and she's a, it's a bunch of women, but mm-hmm. Michelle Rodriguez being one of them. So other women of color, but she's Viola Davis. Uh, her husband, Liam Neeson, is a bank robber. He dies. Mm-hmm. She owes, they owe a bunch of money to a drug dealer. So she's like, I'm going to use the plans from his last heist that he never got to do. Uh, and all of us women are going to rob this bank. That has less societal implications than why the women rob the banks and set it off. Widows is just like she's between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Um, the most recent bank robbery movie I saw was called Cherry with Tom Holland. And mm. that is more similar to Dead Presidents because he's a war veteran. Um, it's based on a true story. And he starts robbing banks because he doesn't have access to health care. And so he becomes a drug addict. 
So that has a bit more social commentary to it. Right. And uh, and set it off is almost entirely social commentary. Mm-hmm. It, the, uh, the whole thing is. It, it starts off with all Black people know each other is the uh, the first thing that that's part of the uh, inciting incident of the movie. Yeah. So basically, um, I'll start with recapping the movie um, mm-hmm. and the parts that stuck out to me. So Vivica A. Fox is Frankie. She's a bank teller. A guy that she knows kind of from around the way, Darnell, comes and he's robbing the bank. And she's like, don't do this, don't do this. And then everyone, there's a huge shootout. So many people die. She sees a woman get shot in front of her. She gets blood all over her. Um, But instead of having any compassion, the police, the LAPD, believe that she colluded with them and that she must be in on it because, as you said, all black people know each other. Then her bosses fire her. And this is the inciting incident. She says... I nearly got blown away in your tired ass fucking bank and you're going to fire me. You couldn't wait because she had also just gotten a promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when she walks away, Strode, who's played by uh, John McGinley, who funny enough, also played the cop chasing the bank robbers in Point Break. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah. He's playing almost the exact same character that he played in Point Break. Although I will say this movie did give Strode a lot more emotional depth than mm-hmm. I've seen before. From like that sort of cop character. But what what do you make of this scene where it's like two things are happening? One, they believe that she must be in on it because she knew the guy. And two, that there's a, a part where there's a black woman cop named Waller and she mm-hmm. kind of is like, hey, go fuck yourself on the way out. So what do you make of this opening scene? So this opening scene, um, I, I thought. I just want to say, like, blanket statement. I thought this movie was well well written and really uh, well, well directed, um, and the acting was phenomenal. Um, but the opening scene, I was like, as soon as she said, "Don't do this," I was like, "They're gonna, they're gonna blame her. They're gonna think that she was in on it to begin with." And you can see how conflicted it, she is because she's kind of trying to tell him get out of here because this is not going to end well for you um, in the way of like someone that you would know, but like don't have that. You don't have like a in-depth relationship with it. So there was, I think that's part of her humanity that that there was hesitation there. Um, And then when they bring her back and they're interrogating her, the pressure that is on her from the cops and the bosses, both being there, everyone against her no one giving her the benefit of the doubt i was like this this feels it feels very real like everything about that scene felt very real of we don't want to see this woman succeed we need to blame someone for this even though everything's going to be covered by insurance then like we still need somebody we still need a fallout person and we need to figure out the reason why and she's the only connection that we have right now so we're going to point the finger to her mm-hmm. um but i was my first thought was i mean those are my initial thoughts and then my next thought was like you can sue for wrongful and from for wrongful termination but also litigation then what? it's not yeah. on your side and there's not like based on her uh situation it, as it was it felt like that they were barely paying her enough anyway she was there for two years and she had just got a promotion like there was no faith for her to succeed to begin with yeah it's like a, a trap a cycle mm-hmm. And they harp on her saying, well, how come you didn't do your procedures? Right. Uh, But like, 
I don't even think, I think sometimes even like a, a, a white bank teller or someone who didn't know that guy or whatever would hesitate because he's right. got a gun. He's like, got it's a gun waving reasonable. in your face. You don't know how you're going to react yeah. in that situation. The trauma that she's going through of getting someone shot right in front of her. She's their still blood, covered in blood. Yes, their blood is splattered on her, still covered mm-hmm. in it. Like she is going through shit and she's losing everything in this moment. Right. Yeah, it's a really good scene. Um, so then we jump to a 70s-themed grad party. Mm-hmm. Stoney, who is played by Jada Pinkett, is throwing it for her brother, Stevie. Her parents have passed away. Uh, you know, we meet Cleo, who's played by Queen Latifah. Uh, we meet Tashawn, who has a baby. And um, the big thing is that Stevie is going to go to college. Stoney's brother's mm-hmm. going to go to college. Cleo says, you're going to be making all the loot, college boy. And then we find out that he actually isn't going to go to college because he can't afford it. Because uh, even though, and there's a throwaway line about, well, they told us we could only apply to UCLA if scholarships were an option. And they're like, we know, but it turns out they weren't actually an option, which is like so, still so relatable. Right. So then uh, everyone is really upset about that. We see that a bunch of them work as janitors. Um, They're being like treated like shit by their boss, Luther. Uh, they're going to de- be taking taxes out of Tashawn's paycheck, even though she said that she can't afford that because she can't pay a babysitter with the little that she makes now. Uh, and then he says, there's three peoples I don't mess with, the I, the R, and the S. Mm-hmm. They, he also says, why don't you just take your broke ass home? You know, it's interesting. This film puts a lot of black people in powers of in positions of power. Like I noticed like at the... um. At the end, when Strode is trying to convince his boss that he needs to go after Jada Pinkett, we're jumping ahead, they chose to make the the boss a black man. Their right. boss at the janitorial company is a black man. They right. throw in a black female cop. And I'm not I'm not 100% sure why, but I think maybe to highlight the, which the banker boyfriend does too, highlight the disparity between the people that actually live in the projects area and the people that don't, I'm not right. quite sure. Yeah. I think it's that. And also most of the people are in power are still men too, um, except for mm-hmm. the, the um, female cop. Female cop, although she is getting yelled at by her white yes, male but bosses a lot. Still, she, I was going to say still, she's not the lead even in that situation too. Right. I do want to um, talk about like uh, Stevie going to college. I thought that was a, an important scene. Um, because I, I recently, my mom uh, works at a university in charge of DEI at the university and um, diversity and inclusion, just if people don't know. And so um, she deals with a lot of students that come from lower income areas that do not know their options when it comes to college, when it comes to financial aid, when it comes to um even like maybe even going to community college first. And I think that is, even though like the, the, a lot of these students are like the top of their classes and they're so smart and they could, if they knew what res- resources were out there, could get into college and get that financial aid that they need, but they just don't know. So how do they find out? Well, that's part of my mom's job is that she goes to um, these areas and educates the students on and the parents on like the options and a lot of actually a lot of them don't even like trust the system too because they don't know part of it don't they just don't understand how it is that comes up with stevie too because 
he ends up going to visit the guys who had robbed the bank um, in the Acorn projects. And, you know, once he says that he's not going to college, he goes and hangs out with these people that he's familiar with. Right. He goes he, he goes to hang out with these people that he trusts. And so, I mean, the he doesn't live in the Acorn projects, but the guy has an AP shaved mm-hmm. into the back of his head. And uh, the cops are looking for, from the security footage, a guy with AP shaved into his head as one of the bank robbers that got away. So they, Stevie gets that shaved into the back of his head because of the reason you said, like, why would you trust these systems? They already lied to you right. saying that you you can get a scholarship when you couldn't. Mm-hmm. So go hang out with the people you know. Like, mm-hmm. go, you know, take- He said he was going to get a job. Like, he's going to- mm-hmm. And that just continues the cycle of him not being able to get out, even though that was what his sister who had been raising him. I don't think they sh- they shared how long their parents had been dead. Yeah, later, they four, say four years. Four years. Okay. So yeah. his whole high school career, mm-hmm. essentially, his older sister was raising him, who's still really young too. So, mm-hmm. And she's doing everything she can to help him get to another situation, everything that she can which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. So let's get into this next scene, which is absolutely harrowing. And it's wild that it's 1996 and this this could have happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. He exits the apartment with the AP shaved into the back of his head. The police, in what is insane overkill for arresting one bank robber who, whatever, they they murdered people at the bank. Fine, he's a murderer. But like, to, to apprehend one man, they send, I don't know, 5,000 cops. He has a bottle of champagne in his jacket. Mm-hmm. And he that goes was to a pull gift. it out. That was yeah. a gift. And he goes to pull it out. They mistake it for a gun. I, well, I don't know. Uh, Ten guys just start firing for no reason. Right. And then Strode runs over and he's like, no, 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 no. Sees it's a bottle of champagne. Is very upset. Stevie dies. Mm-hmm. Um. What do you, what do you make of this? I was so uh like surprised to see this depicted in the way it was depicted and I I just like, you know, back back then. I think now this could have been a scene in in any movie or TV show and we would have all been familiar. But back then, I don't know that people were so desensitized cuz they didn't have access to all these viral videos and all these things of of black people being killed by the police. So like, what did you make of this scene's inclusion? I mean, this this would would have happened after Rodney King and this took place in LA. So, um, like I don't think that I don't think people would have I don't think the audience then would have like been desensitized to it, but I was like, again, nothing has changed and they left his body lying there while they're just most they're basically it's just people standing around doing nothing just yeah there i was like this is disgusting and it, it this has been happening forever and it's going to continue to happen forever he was reaching for he had to lay down on the ground as they instructed and he couldn't have that bottle of champagne inside his jacket he laid down he said i'm taking this out and they shot him Somebody yelled, he's got a gun. Right. And even if he did have a gun, by the way, there's no way that he would have had a chance against right. all of these cops. So he like was it doesn't on the even ground. he was on the ground. It doesn't make sense. No. I mean it does. It's racist. But also yeah. I think it was probably just shocking to me as a white person, truly. Mm. I think that's all it is. Like when I said desensitized, I really am realizing that I was speaking for white people. Yeah. Uh and so the the Stony and the friends show up. They're, I mean, she's hysterical. Mm-hmm. 
The police are concerned now because he has no priors and they realize that they just shot an innocent student. Right. Um, so it's very bad optics. Strode, at least they kind of give him like he's really actually upset-ish. And Stoney is devastated. Jada right. is giving her best acting. She's she, – like her reason for living is gone. It's gone. I mean, and this is after, too, he had told her that he didn't get accepted. And also she had gone and done sex work, slept with that man that at the car dealership for money. Mm-hmm. Like, like everything that – she's invested so much into her brother. And yes. then – and he ends up dead for something that he did not do. I forgot to mention, we need to back up. This was huge. Uh, Stoney meets this guy, Nate Andrews, who runs a car lot. She's like, I want to work at the car lot. He's like, I want to fuck you. She says she needs the money in advance. She ends up going with him. She's crying. Mm-hmm. He gives her the check. And then Stevie says, I'm not even going to go to UCLA. I didn't even get in, basically. Um, And then she tears up the check, which is like a pet peeve of mine from movies. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm like, what? You still... It's still $2,000. It's still still money. I, I, I felt the same way, too. I was like, you just, like, did what you needed to do for money, and, like, you 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 tore up the check. Like, you still had the money. I hate... I hate, I hate in movies when it's like, I can't take this money. It's no. dirty money. I'm like, girl. You earned it. <laughs> you earned it. Yeah. Like, why are you ripping up? I'm like, any movie where they're like, like, um, what was I just watching? Oh, Indecent Proposal. Like, she's like, I couldn't possibly take the money. It's dirty money that she had sex for. I was like, yeah. take the money. Exactly. What are you talking about? You already yeah. did the thing. Clean money and dirty money. Pay for the same shit. The, 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 the check would still clear the bank. Yeah, exactly. So then I was a little bit confused because I was like, wait, so does this does this get rid of her motivation? Because isn't her only motivation uh, for needing to rob a bank to get Stevie the money for college? But then later they rebuild her motivation because mm-hmm. she's devastated. She's broken down. And she's like, we got to rob a bank. And Frankie is already mad at banks because of what right. happened to her. So she's raring to go. And she has uh, all the information of how to get in, all the behind the scenes information, which is vital. Yes. And then Cleo doesn't need any <laughs> motivation. She's just like ready, raring to go. Yeah. But um, I do think it's, uh, she's the only one that does have priors. So that could prohibit her from getting another job too. So I think that's important. Right. Yes. And she, at one point later on, she mentions something about um, Stoney wanting money to get out of the hood, but she just wants money to live a good life in the hood. And I mm-hmm. thought that was fascinating. Yes. She's got a girlfriend. The girlfriend doesn't talk. <laughs> and uh, one thing I love about this movie is the dialogue is so authentic. Yes. And I think they, I read, I was reading about the the production of the movie. There was a lot of rewrites happening on the fly and a lot of dialogue. And Vivica Fox talks about how there was a lot of dialogue that they just worked on on the fly and said, this is how we would actually talk. Um, which I think is incredible. The director yeah. is uh, F. Gary Gary, who yes. if you don't know. Icon. Um, he's done so many movies. He did The Italian Job. He did Straight Outta Compton. Uh, he's done just like a million music videos, basically. All the ones that you can think, like TLC, Waterfalls. He did Outcast, Miss Jackson. He's done uh, basically every music video that... It was a good day. That's the one. Ice Cubes, it was a good day. Holy crap. Like, it's just like a power team of people behind this movie. But yeah, Vivica was saying that um, they did a lot of 
uh, dialogue on the fly, which I think is what makes that scene of them on the roof so iconic. Yeah, agree. It felt they, like like they they sat or like I feel like they were sitting there for a while, just like shooting the shit. I think so. We also yeah. get a very funny line where Vivica tells Cleo she is strictly dickly. <laughs> I was surprised to see Queen Latifah playing gay, especially because she like went back in the closet for a hot second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read an interview with her from 2017 where she says, when I got the role of amateur bank robber Cleo Sims and set it off, I sat down with my younger siblings and told them, listen, I'm playing a gay character. Your classmates might tease you or say negative things about it, but I'm doing it because I believe I can bring positive attention to the gay African-American community, and I believe that I can do a great job as an actor. They understood, and when those things inevitably happened in school, they were okay with it. People don't forget that the 90s was rough, guys. I, yeah, yeah, it was. Like, when I, I tell you, like, that's... One of the things that I remember so much that the adults were talking about, I know I had a friend that even she had an older sister. Um, and that's like mo- mostly what she like. Everybody's like, I can't believe that Queen Latifah did this. And I'm like, even as a child, I was like, pretty sure she's gay. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm a little kid. I'm like, I'm 10. Okay. I'm like, yeah, okay. And- like we, we, we all watch living single. Like we see her music videos. Like we, we know, but it's more of just like, these are things that we don't talk about. And I'm like, whatever. It's fascinating because they tried to have her do a bunch of romantic comedies where she was a straight mm-hmm. woman for a while. So many. She, she had a lot of romantic common, comedies. Opposite common, uh-huh. opposite. Um, yeah, a lot of them. And like, she did a good job in those movies, yeah. but I was like, Okay. So I was yeah. just surprised that I forgot that she played this like very uh cool kind of like stud character. Mm-hmm. We just had that and then we let it we let it go as right. a community. Get out of here. <laughs> so then they talk about uh, how it's not that bad to rob a bank because the bank has insurance. And mm-hmm. I think Vivica Fox has this incredible line where she says, we're just taking away from the system that's fucking us all anyway. Right. Incredible. Beautiful. They go to the bank to case it. Stony is staring at all the money, which I felt deeply, right? Like, it feels so arbitrary. Like, I, that money would change my life. And like, you know, to her, she's like, I probably never seen that much money ever. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, this woman's just standing next to it, stacking it. Like, in my mind, I could viscerally feel her being like, just give me one. Right. Just give me it's one. It's not going to hurt anything. Right. So this bank manager, Keith, comes up and he's Oof. like, Jada is so fine. I want to ask you out. She takes his number um, and she is like, I'm not going to give you my number. I'm not going to give you my address, but I'll go to your house. Yeah. Um, and he's uh, pretty well off. Mm-hmm. And he went to he Harvard. He went to Harvard, yeah. And then they go to work. And uh, and I'll, also I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't get involved with the bank guy. But I also was like, oh, as a movie, that's such a good move. It is, yeah. Um, so then Tishon comes to work. She doesn't have a babysitter, so she brings her baby to work. He accidentally drinks chemicals. They go to the hospital. Miss Wells from CPS is like, we have to take him actually. She, again, like such good writing. They're like, babies drink chemicals all the time. Like it was clearly an accident. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, he was at your workplace. Yeah. And like, there's just like, it does such a good job of showing how everyone is in these situations that are so twisty that you like can't get out of them. Like there's mm-hmm. no good choices. The, their boss there was saying, you know, had originally told her he would pay her under the bank. I mean, under the table. 
And she's like, now I'm taking home even I'm taking home half the money that I was making. So so the money is still like enough where she needs to go to work, but not enough for her to get childcare. And it's, it's just sad. Like that's just the system that she's in is that she, and then she, the child gets taken away yep. by an organization, by a black, that, a black that, woman, by a black woman, but also a black, uh, an organization that gives money to people so that they can take care of their children. So why, why I just don't understand, like give the money to the mother so that she can have childcare. Yes, that's it. I also found it very interesting to have that character played by a black woman and to have pay for childcare or you get a court date. Mm-hmm. It's again, like, it's just extremely unfair. Like, everything that happens is unfair. Stevie's death is unfair. Uh, taking away Joanne is unfair. Frankie getting fired up top, completely unfair. Right. But it's unfair in these ways that are, are ring so true. Mm-hmm. Like, they could easily just be like, do, you know, the opposite of a, a do ex machina. Like, uh, you know, oh, they, they just happened. But these are written so well that because they are so real. Mm-hmm. So they decide, so Vivica Fox tells them, you know, we want to get 20 Gs or 35 Gs. Don't tell the merchant to take the right-hand clip. That's how they are able to call the police. She talks about the cow, which is the small vault on wheels. So they're getting ready to rob this bank. They go to sort of like a DIY gun range. Uh, They meet Black Sam, who is played, I think, by Dr. Dre. Yep. And this is Dr. Dre's first film role. This I can is also uh, <laughs> Tishon. I know yeah. this is also Tishon uh, Kimberly Elise's first film mm-hmm. role, and this is Queen Latifah's first leading role ever. This is um, before Living Single. First leading film role. Film role. It's okay. after Living Single. Okay, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is after. Yeah. Yeah. So we learn that Cleo steals cars. They want it. They want guns. He says, hook me up with Frankie and you can have my guns. Basically, there's a lot of like, trade me a woman for a thing. Mm-hmm. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. And I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. 
It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint, and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances. You can collaborate on your budget. You can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash bad money for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. 
putting away money for retirement since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. They go to a smaller bank and try to knock off that bank in order to, I guess, test it out and time it. They end up making 12 Gs. Not that much. They each get $3,000. Life-changing for them, though. $3,000 is still like enough to make a difference in their lives. TT says they weren't ready. Uh, Queen Latifah is like, if I didn't set it off, you would have been casing banks. We have the title of the film Mm -hmm. in the dialogue, which is something I very much enjoy. Also, this thing that they don't do anymore, which Queen Latifah has a song called Set It Off that is on the album, the the motion picture soundtrack for Set It Off. Why don't we do that anymore? The lead of the film should always sing the song that is the song of the film. Mm -hmm. Agree. Agree. This was, and I don't care who it is. They don't have to be a rapper. They don't have to be anything. I mm-hmm. want there's a, a a Matt Bronner joke that I love where he says he wants like that back, and he's like, I want Leonardo DiCaprio rapping about Inception. <laughs> like, I- is there is, is she sing? I feel like there was one too where she's a song that came on that I was like, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> Queen Latifah singing, like because you know she's also a beautiful singer, and I I'm pretty sure it was her singing. I'll have to go back and look at the soundtrack, but it's when she's driving in the car and in the car at one point, um, and there's a song playing. I'm like, I think that's her singing. That's Inception. Yeah, Queen Latifah exists in the universe <laughs> where Cleo exists, so nobody says, Hey, don't you look exactly like Queen Latifah? <laughs> I love that. Um, TT chickens out and says they weren't ready. Frankie's like, well, I'm not going to give you a cut of the money then. Eventually they work it out. This weird thing happens where they go hang out. Jada Pinkett and the bank manager guy played by Blair Underwood, who spoke at my college graduation. Did he? I, I remember like as a kid, women like being like, he's so hot. And I was like, I don't see it, but I was a kid. And then when he walked on, when he like showed up on screen, I was like, that man is beautiful. But yeah, he spoke at your graduation. He spoke at my graduation because the school had recently been accused of racism. Okay. So they got Blair Underwood as our speaker. <laughs> Did he graduate from there? I don't think so. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he says something weird, which is like, I want to go to a restaurant in your hood. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, they go I, to a black owned restaurant. I get yeah. it a little bit. I get it. It's- as someone like that uh, grew up around white people, the neighborhood that I picked to live in, I picked it because it was closer to more black people because I've never lived in a neighborhood with black people. So I get it. He also says it's hard to believe you're this hard when you're so beautiful. They have this because she's like, she's beaten down from Stevie's mm-hmm. death. She is mm-hmm. not in a good place. Um, And so then they have this really interesting conversation. She asks him, do you feel free? And he says, hell yeah. And she says, well, I don't feel free. I feel very much caged. And he says, well, what are you doing to get out of it? Where do you see yourself in five years? And she's like, I can't plan for five years from now. I don't know. I wrote, he doesn't get the realities of her world. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, clearly he, wealthy. He's clearly wealthy. They also pointed out that he took over the lease from his brother. So like he comes from money. Um, he is Harvard educated. And I think, I think I just want to go back to the thing about him going wanting to go to the restaurant in her hood. He wanted to show that like, just because he has money and that he grew up a certain way that he's still like down, like he's still a 
one of the people. I, I think that's the meaning of that scene. And it was nice that they mentioned black-owned restaurant, mm-hmm. I think. He said, I because, like that, yeah. Um, so then Strode wants to bring in Stoney because he thinks that she's one of the bank robbers. His boss is like, absolutely not. We are hounded by the press because you mm-hmm. killed Stevie. Mm-hmm. We, we cut to Cleo fucking her girlfriend on a car. Uh, she stopped going into her job. They're like, mm-hmm. no, we have to act normal, which yeah, is like she the got common her car thing, painted right? too. <laughs> we have to act normal. We have to act like we don't have money. Mm-hmm. Um, she's bought a bunch of stuff. They are like, the money has you tripping. In the in her second scene, one of the guys pulled up to her and said, like, you need to do something about your car because your car's beat up. It's messed up. Like, you need to get your car fixed. And that's what she did with the money. So that mm-hmm. is her way of showing that I've come up a little bit. So her getting because it got fixed because later, um, not to spoil the rest, but later when they're trying to get away, they go get her car because it's faster now because she got the actual engine fix on it. And then she got it painted too. So them having sex on the car is like big for her because she's done something to come up a little bit. And I think it shows, um, you know, the scene right before that is like, what are you doing to plan for the future? Mm -hmm. Queen Latifah's like, I'm just trying to like make my current life better. Yes. And like, you can't fault either of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, She gets pissed and she has the big fight with Stoney and she ends up holding a gun to her head. And then Stoney goes and meets with Keith, the bank manager. Stoney smacks the shit out of her though. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's like weird to say that it's cool to see women acting this way, but it was cool to see women acting this way. Yeah, I'm like, people see Jada Pickett how she is now and don't, realize like she grew up in Baltimore and she sold drugs like that mm-hmm. woman is scrappy as hell and I think mm-hmm. like that 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 really showcases that she asks Keith what do you think about friends and money and he says don't you lose that friend over money money mm-hmm. you can replace easily friends real friends you can't and that is foreshadowing yeah they end up kissing which is like now they're sort of more seriously seeing each other Cleo has this line where we just talked about where she says, we ain't nothing but hood rats. I can live with that. You can't. I don't think about five years from now. I'm just trying to get through the day. Yeah. Which is like the thesis of what's different about them. Yeah. They have this really funny scene where they're negotiating the next uh, bank robbery and Vivica A. Fox is pretending to be the godfather. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This scene killed me. I loved it so much. Why did you love it? And what do you think about the idea of placing black women as these like big white guy mafiosos? It wasn't just like navigating... them like deciding what the next hit was. It was also, they were doing the things of like the families, which in mob turns, like the different people that control the different areas. So it was like the families are coming together to reconcile. So it's also a reconciliation between Cleo and Stoney. And so I thought that was beautiful how they did it in a way of like, Hey, I'm, they didn't do it like, Hey, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I hurt your feelings too. Let's hug it out. No, we're going to act this out in a way. And it also shows because a lot of times, most of the time people in like mobster movies are glorified for being like these people that have so much money. They're, uh, they're different because, you know, they're still like, you know, taking care, protecting people in the neighborhood and may, they may be doing illegal things, but they're still like good at heart. And then when you have when they showcase black gangsters, quote unquote, then they're like just like 
hood. They're just, they come from nothing. They're, they're just the scum of the earth. When you glorify mobsters who are also gangsters, it's the same thing. And so I think it's showing like one, we've got them reconciling without it being corny Two, adding some humor before everything goes to shit. Three showing that, you know, they're doing the same things that they're doing in these glorified mob movies. Um, they're just coming from less. And so it takes a little bit more to to get them to the point where they're being glorified, which doesn't, again, there's no black gangsters in quote unquote gangster movies that um, are glorified in the same way that mobsters are glorified. And then also just like showing that they have a plan. This is not like just some rookies that are, uh, just going out to rob a bank for no reason, but they have a plan to to get to their next level. Yeah, I think there's a lot of these white guy mafiosos, or you know, a lot of a lot of empathy extended to Tony Soprano and mm-hmm. Walter White, mm-hmm. uh, and not the same extended to black people doing almost the exact same things yeah. in films. Yeah. Um. So I thought this was so smart, mm-hmm. and I thought really, really well done. So they're going to rob another bank and uh, a homeless guy is causing a scene outside. At first I thought maybe he was doing it for them, but it actually fucks them over because yeah. now one million cops are outside for this homeless mm-hmm. man, which again, like so LA. Yep. So they're like, uh, fuck, what are we going to do? There's so many cops outside. Cleo ends up driving the car into the bank. <laughs> SUV that she just Amazing. robbed somebody for, which I love that, that, that scene of where we just see her with her hands behind her back with gloves on, with the gun in her hand, approaching uh, the guy to get the, the uh, Suburban. Yeah. So they take home 75K a piece, which in uh, today money is $141,000. Yeah. That so is, that's a lot. That is a lot. Even Big 75 numbers. Even 75 now is a lot. Yeah. That's so like pro- a down payment on a that's home. That's more than they probably made. Ever life, yeah. Ever in their whole lives, mm-hmm. they hide the money in an air shaft at their work, which is a huge mistake. Meanwhile, Jada goes to a big, um, like banking networking party with mm-hmm. uh, Keith. She shows up in this kimono that she borrowed from Frankie. He's like, uh, "No, he buys her a really nice black dress," which is uh, something that also happens in *Indecent Proposal*, a movie I watched <laughs> last weekend. My references are so dated, like. For like the longest time, I would like compare everything to The Sopranos because I had just watched The Sopranos and now uh-huh. I'm like watching these erotic thrillers and I'm like, this is like Fatal Attraction. And people <laughs> are like, that, what, why? Yeah, I mean, I- it's fresh <laughs> on your mind. Will I ever reference something that came out this year? No, I won't. She does a really good job, uh, Stoney, of talking about what she does by saying, well, my personal portfolio, I, I diversify it with mm-hmm. different income streams, which I thought was very clever. Yeah. And, and impress the other people that were there too. Yeah. She, it shows that she has the ability to, to code switch, to mm-hmm. walk into a room full of people from a different class and she kind of pulls it off. Yeah. Yeah. She's very, she's, she's, um, very, uh, unsure of herself as she's walking in, but as she's listening to them talk, you can see her grow her confidence. And when they think that she's just gonna, when they ask her like what she does, she, they think that, 
you know, it's not going to be something. And um, Keith is about to like essentially answer for her, but she's no, I got this. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I thought it was nice, a nice touch. It also creates another layer between her and Cleo. And I think also the gay and the straight, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Where Cleo is gay. She, she knows that she can't really pass in these areas. Whereas um, Stoney, part of me started to, my heart started breaking because I was like, Stoney could marry Keith and not do any of this yes. and leave all of this behind and go to the suburbs. Mm-hmm. She would be leaving behind, behind her friends mm-hmm. and the life that she knows. Yeah. But she could not do any of these crimes and just go live in the suburbs with Keith. Yeah. But um, he is very keen on like knowing the real her and also letting her know that friendship is important. So that's why like everyone, every single character in this movie is written with such three dimensional mm-hmm. Like the cops aren't villains. They're yeah. bad, but like Strode has a lot of, of uh, meat to him. Yeah. I, he I, has I, a lot of meat to him. I also wonder like the meat that he has, Strode, was that a studio note? Like <laughs> I believe to, so. in order yeah. to get it made. I feel <laughs> I this is a, a big kind of problem that I have with the movie is that like the main cops that we're following come off as like m- kind of de- like there's a soft spot they're kind of decent but I didn't I didn't come away with any as soon as he shot Stevie I was like he's dead to me but towards the end he does get like a slight redemption he didn't shoot him but, but as soon as he was part of the shooting of Stevie Yeah he was, was like, but he was also here. trying to tell them to hold to stop I yeah. know like he's he's the one that's that's like telling people to stop and then like they're giving empathy to the the Him. main white man. And I wonder yeah. if that was always part of the script. Well, I read a note. I read an article that said that the first draft, none of the characters had really like that much motivation. And eventually they gave them all sort of heavier backstories. I assume probably the studio note was also give him a backstory. Mm-hmm. I think – they probably, because Blair Underwood's a man, they said, give him more of a backstory. But it does make for a better movie. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, but yeah, it definitely re- like reeks of studio notes. Mm-hmm. But it just is such an interesting contrast. And also they have a sex scene with Keith and Stoney where there's candles. It's beautiful. There's an oil massage. It's a huge contrast to her getting essentially right. like sex work raped by that yes. guy. Because after she got sex work raped there's a scene of her just like crying in the shower and the trying shower, to clean yeah. herself. And she like, she, she, she was enjoying herself with Keith. <laughs> right. Like now she can kind of go into these worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to some sort of funny stuff, they go to work and they realize that Luther quit, which means he probably found the money. He did mm-hmm. shit. They go to a hotel. He's fucking some woman. He has a gun. Uh, they're like, give us our goddamn money. TT shoots him. Yeah. Which is kind of a trope in films where the the one that you would least expect it suddenly mm-hmm. commits the murder. So then uh Strode comes after Cleo and is like, we need you for a lineup. Cleo, who had taken the ID yes. of the witness and put it in her pocket yes. and is like, I'll come to your goddamn house. Mm-hmm. You saw fucking nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh in the lineup does this very funny thing where the woman, Alyssa, is like, they can't see me, right? Which, like, mm-hmm. no, but Cleo knows who it is. Yes. So when she turns for the lineup, she taps her pocket, like, yes, I ID love is right that. here. And the look on that woman's face was like, nope, not snitching. <laughs> so she's like, I don't recognize any of them. Also, to be fair, she's she, not it, lying. Yeah, because they not asked lying her because they said who shot who shot him. So she's not lying. She's not lying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So then they have to rob again now because they don't have the money. Also for TT because she killed Luther and also she does now doesn't have the money uh, to get her son out of CPS's clutches. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to rob Stoney's boyfriend's bank. Because mm-hmm. it has um, the it's most again, money. Yes. And it's again this thing of friends over money. Yeah. So like Keith is her love, but he also represents money. Mm-hmm. So to her, it's like you have to rob his bank because you have to choose your friends over money, which is something he even said. Although, yep. to be fair, rich people love to be like, choose your friends over yeah. money. I mean, and he said uh, money comes easy and it does not for them. Money does not come easy for them. I, I That pinged for me, too. Mm-hmm. They go to a restaurant. They don't have enough money to pay the bill. So they they dine and dash. Just again, highlighting how what the circumstances are, which is very dire. Mm. They're playing a video of the robberies. Keith starts to recognize that it is Stoney at the robberies. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to believe it. It looks like on his face. Then she calls him and says, can you meet me for lunch? And he realizes she's trying to get him out of the bank because she's about to rob it. Yeah. And he doesn't rat rat on her. He tells the officers, let's go out the back door. Yeah. So he's like tacitly on her side. Yeah. They get there. They do the robbery. Cleo wants more money. Uh, Stoney says, let's go. They, there's basically like a don't get greedy, whatever, mm-hmm. let's take the most kind of mentality between the two of them. Um, and I love in heist movies where they say don't get greedy. Yeah. yeah. That's one of my favorite tropes. Uh, they're like, just take the money, don't get greedy. And then there's always one person who's like, what if we took two diamonds? Right. Fuck it up for everyone else. Uh-huh. They end up in front of Strode, who's like, Stony, Cleo, don't do this. Uh, TT and Stony start to put their guns down. A white security guard rolls up and just starts fucking shooting. <sighs> Shoots TT. Cleo starts firing because Lord knows she doesn't need a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then TT dies. Once we got, th- actually, that kind of that shocked me. That shocked me. I knew somebody was going to get shot because of what the the elders were saying when I was a child. I knew somebody was going to get shot, but that shocked me that the police officer, I mean, that security guard of all people came out of nowhere and just started firing. Ran in front of the actual, the cops. I was like, wow, wow. The gall. The white man just the feels gall like he on can this just- white man <laughs> running in front of the cops, the detectives. I think they're detectives, right? Yeah. What do you make of them putting their guns down and Cleo not? So uh, what I make of it is that when um, TT has something to live for, she needs to live for her son. And then uh, Stoney is still like, she she wants to get out. She's still like, she still has something to live for. And then Cleo just like, we see it more later too, is that she has her girlfriend. But other than that, like, she doesn't have anything to lose. She doesn't, she's not trying to get out, really get out of the situation that she's in. Um, this is for- I don't think she feels like she can. I mean, yeah, her being yeah. gay, it's not really part of, it's not explained, but like her being gay is definitely a huge part of it, especially yes. being a very masculine gay woman. Mm-hmm. Like being and a butch woman, she does not have the opportunities that Jada Pinkett has. Yes. She just she, doesn't. She doesn't. And um, even the the person that they were working for before that gets shot, um, that gets killed, he is always calling her sir. And um, just like, yeah, she just doesn't like, and I think, you know, even though Queen Latifah is gorgeous, but in this movie, a lot of Jada's 
pretty pl- privileges playing upon who she is. And I mean, that's a lot of what Keith is saying is like, I can't believe you're so hard. You're beautiful. this hard and you're this beautiful. And like, he just, every time he's complimenting her, he's complimenting her on her looks. Yes. Oh, they, that happens to Jada a lot. Mm-hmm. They even kind of go out of the way to show Dr. Dre is interested in Frankie. Yes. Then we can reasonably assume that Titi, because she has a child, has at some point had a boyfriend, mm-hmm. let's say. So, like, we're kind of shown that, like, Queen Latifah has this extra barrier that other people don't have. So they, they're they on the run. They're mm-hmm. in the car, as you said, Queen Latifah's car. And they're in the tunnel, and they realize they're trapped. And Queen Latifah says, leave me, leave me, take the money, go split up on foot. And then it's this truly heartbreaking scene where you know she's going to do suicide yeah. by cop. You yeah. know. Like, she she saves her two friends. Mm-hmm. And then she drives, she smokes a cigarette. Uh-huh. It was so gangster. It was, this was just so gangster. A, I was like, okay. She said, And then what music. happens? She lights the cigarette. She, she does what else? Well, she said she puts on her song. She lights a cigarette. She just kind of like dr- she drives. Oh yeah, the helicopter is low and they think that they've got her and she just keeps driving causing the helicopter to have to move. She drives and then there's she gets barricaded and um we're just like, okay, this, this is the end for her. And she gets shot up in her car, which is her most prized possession. Gets shot. There's so many bullet holes in this car. So many. And then we think she's dead and she's not. <laughs> she lifts her head, gets out, and then starts firing the guns and dies because they're, they're firing at her and collapses on the uh, door of her car. This is Scarface. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like, this is like, a, a performance that, like you said, till now has been afforded to like gangster movies mm-hmm. by white men. Mm-hmm. Like she is, this character is like, I mean, and Scarface was meant to be a, a, a Latino man, although played by Al Pacino. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like, I mean, this is just like something that you do not see yeah. from women of color in movies, mm-hmm. especially black women. Like it's, it's a, it's a scene that is just like yes, and she sacrificed herself for her friends. For her friends, Stony manages to sneak onto a bus wearing a sombrero, which is a fun little callback to when Keith mm-hmm. uh, cooks her Mexican food because she's mm-hmm. never been out of Los Angeles. Right now, she's getting on this bus with this, you know, sombrero. Frankie gets caught right before she can get on the bus. Um, she starts to run and. Uh, She's also shot. Yeah, but her hers is gangster too because <laughs> the detective that's been following them the whole time, he he's like telling everybody to put their guns down like everything's fine. He walks up to her. He's got his gun down. He's trying to reason with her. So in the beginning, he was yelling at her <laughs> and he was like, what is the protocol mm-hmm. for when you're being robbed? And she's like trying to explain herself. And he's like, no, what's the protocol? And so he has no empathy for her. Then towards the end, she puts her gun to his neck and goes, what's the protocol when someone has a gun to your head? Yes. And he's like, uh, and she's like, what's the protocol? Uh, I thought that was a good callback too. It's almost like a perfect screenplay. Okay, Mm -hmm. so then she gets shot and then Strode looks up and he sees Jada on the bus leaving Mm -hmm. and he lets her go. Yeah. He realizes that the reason that everything got set off is because her brother was killed. So this is kind of his 
his like I'm sorry to her, but still not enough, but no. Something for him. She gets to a hotel, she has all this money, but she misses her friends. Mm-hmm. And there's like these this thing that they used to do in movies yeah. where she they just I, play I was like this is scenes so 90s. <laughs> where they just play scenes you already saw, yeah. but she's 30 thinking minutes ago. about them. Like we just saw this, yeah. but she's like, "Remember this, guys?" Mm-hmm. And we're like, "Yes, from half an hour ago, yeah. we know." And she's like, "I'm sad about my friends. Here's some stuff you've already seen." So 90s. <laughs> and then which I was like, "Oh my god, they don't do that anymore." They no. I, I don't know if they just reasonably assume you remember what happened 45 right. minutes ago or what. But I, I want that in movies and I want the lead actor to have to rap about the movie for the soundtrack. I don't understand why. And it doesn't even have to be the lead actor. Let's say it's like it's like Julio doing Gangster's Paradise. But Michelle right. Pfeiffer has to be in the music video. Yes. I mean, Otherwise, the, what are we doing? I remember the the song that they played during the love scene um, with Keith and Stoney. Oh uh, the In Vogue song. Oh. That, that, that music video is like half of the, is like a lot of the movie too. And so the music video <gasps> is to the movie. That song, I was watching it uh, and Mal heard that song from the other room and just went, didn't know what I was doing and went, I love that song. That's one of my all-time favorite songs. I probably play that song at least twice a month. I love that song so much. They just, um, they did a lip sync to it on Drag Race and it was like iconic. Yeah, it's so good. It's En Vogue's Don't Let Go. Mm-hmm. It's so good. So then Jada starts cutting her hair. Now she's she's shaved her head. She is in Mexico. She calls Keith. Uh, he's like, I hope you, she kind of doesn't say anything at first. Then he's like, I hope you're okay. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, thank you or whatever. And then she gets in her Jeep and she drives off into the Mexico coastline. World. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of the same ending as a, this isn't a bank robbery movie, but true romance, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies. Um, also ends in Mexico with them sort of getting away with the money. They pull out to that wide shot to show that like she's free. She's free. Mm-hmm. I will say that we talked about the Godfather aspect of it. And uh, I forgot that there's this tidbit I read that half the budget went to paying for the use of the theme music from the Godfather for that one scene. Wow. I know. So what are your thoughts on the themes of this movie? And like, what did you love about it? Oh, okay. So I thought like going into this movie that it was just going to be about them robbing banks because that's mostly most most of the things that I've seen from this movie are from the In Vogue music video. <laughs> so I <laughs> I was surprised at how much heart is in this film. Like there's everybody has a reason and a meaning for being there. Everyone is on screen, like giving phenomenal performances. Uh, The music is great. There's just small things that they just plant and everything pays off. Even like with Cleo, which we didn't bring up her, like always having a song that she's driving to, like going through everybody's music while she's getting Stealing ready. It's her, her, yeah. her, it's her hype thing. And that's part yeah. of her because she lives in a car garage. Like, like she knows how to fix cars. Like that's part of her story. And then she knows how to steal these cars. Um, and then, but ultimately that's what tips the police off because her fingerprint is on it and she has the prior. Yeah. It's so good. Every character is well, it's how people speak. The motivations behind it, the social commentary from Mm -hmm. everything from cops to 
who you can trust to who your actual friends are to the power dynamics to the empowerment. I wouldn't even say like them existing is an empowerment in itself because they're doing what they need to do to survive. They're doing what they need to do to have like some say in how their actual lives go instead of being dependent on other people. And systems that don't work. And systems that, that's the thing is though, the systems work for the people that they're supposed to work for. The systems are not set up to work for black women. You're right. That is actually worse. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for um, having me. I'm really excited because I finally, like, it, this forced me to see this movie that I've been waiting to see, like, my whole life. So this has been, this was phenomenal. Thank you. It was maybe now one of my favorite movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm going to go back and watch it again. Where can people find you and more about you? People can find me at She Is Not Melissa on all social media. Um, I host two podcasts with my friend Megan, one called Don't Blame Me, and the other one called But Am I Wrong? They're both advice podcasts. But Am I Wrong is if you didn't take our advice and then you got fucked over, so... Now you're asking if you were wrong for what you did. So um, come listen to us. We we like to call ourselves ethical shit talkers. Uh, I also <laughs> um, appear uh, on Gabby's other podcast, Just Between Us, that I also produce. And uh, go to my website, melissadmonts.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was our breakdown and takedown of Set It Off. It wasn't really a takedown because we absolutely loved it. If you like the show, please give it a five-star Apple review and listen to it the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. If you want to write in, write in at GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also leave me a voice memo if you prefer. If you want to send that in to GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, and Patreon. Links to all of those will be in the description below. If you have an idea for a movie or a TV show or book or song that you want us to break down and take down or even an idea for a guest that I could do it with. Let me know. Okay, love you guys. Bye. Done.